It's indeed to be an honor to be with you. Every time I hear the song, O Holy Night, my mind goes back to a piece of history uh, that some of you may know this, but I didn't know it, uh, that when AM radio, does anybody know what AM radio is? Uh, <laughs> you know, was created, basically, a man by the name of Reginald, I think it's Fessenden, who created it. Prior to AM radio, all they had was Morse code, whether it was in a union station or whether it was on a ship. The way they communicated was through the speaker. They would hear the dot, dot, dot. You know, I'm, I'm not going to try to go there and tell you anything. Anyway, uh, the very first song, the first time on AM radio that was created when they said that we're going to introduce it, and there was a sound that came out through the airways for the very first time was on Christmas Eve. And the very first thing on AM radio that was heard was the song, O Holy Night. Amen. I thought, what a way to break silence of saying, O Holy Night, the stars are brightly shining. And yet what I realize is even when we look at the Word and when Christ comes in, there's 400 years of silence. You ever feel like you're in silence? You ever feel like there's seasons you go through and you're thinking, God, I'm not hearing you. What's going on, God? And I could only imagine what it must have been like in that day when the prophets were not speaking. God sim somehow was silent, but into the darkness broke the sound. And what was the first sound out of God's power and who he was was what? It was the sound of a crying baby. I love what Pastor Doug said a moment ago, and I loved his message last week when he made the statement, and I wrote it down in my notes where Pastor Doug said, he said, I love it, he said, Jesus was God's love wrapped in skin, born as a baby to show us how to love. And I thought, my God, have mercy. Isn't that powerful today? Thank you for the honor to be here today. Thank you for the honor to be able to minister you know, you know that you're getting older or younger based on a lot of statements at times. About two weeks ago, my grandson, Christian, seven years old, runs in the house and he says, Papa! I said, what's going on, Christian? He said, is Christmas ever going to get here? <laughs> and I'm now just turning this great age of 60, looks at him and says, well, What? Christmas is here already? Because sometimes it's like, it's time to get the pocketbook out again. we got to buy gifts. And it just, didn't we just do that last month? So when you're getting older, sometimes it's like, oh man, it gets here fast enough. Don't rush it. But the reality of this is, if we're not careful sometimes, we will be going through this season and not be able to grasp the gifts and the blessings of what God speaks to us every time. And what a wonderful way to do it through Advent. And yet, I was reminded also, my wife and I, back in 1992, bought our first home when we were in ministry. It was an old 1930s home. It took six months to remodel it. We tore out some walls, and we didn't even move in for six months. And I remember it was a big lot, about 300 feet, but at the end of the lot was some railroad tracks. We never saw a train, never heard a train. So I just thought the train track didn't work anymore, and I didn't even think anything about it until the very first night. We slept in the house. It was not in the contract. About 2.45, this coal train comes through there. And all of a sudden, my wife and I both jump out of bed. The, the, literally, the dishes in the kitchen are rattling. And we're thinking it's an earthquake. 
only to realize it was the train track that we did not realize was there. But guess what? About two months later, we forgot all about that train coming there every single night about 2.45 in the morning. We got used to it until a family member or a friend was staying in the guest room and they would say, did you hear that? We're saying, what are you talking about? <laughs> Why? It's because it became familiar. And if we're not careful sometimes with the things of God, and if we're not careful even in this time of the year, that we will rush through and we will not pull out the revelational nuggets that are within Scripture at times. And as I get older and I relook at Scripture, it's amazing to me every year how God brings something bring brand new. And you're like, oh, that's been there, but I didn't get it. But God gives it to us in due season. And boy, do I have the privilege today to be able to talk to you about a subject that without a doubt, every one of us have wrestled with it at one time or another. Without a doubt, it's an area that at times we know that we talk about it. One of the famous scriptures that we quote many a times pertaining to this subject is, The joy of the Lord is my strength. We could even turn that around, Sister Dolores, and say the strength of the Lord is my joy. And the reality of it today, when we begin to look at this, we have what was really in the heart of your pastor to start a series entitled The Star. The star, the guiding star, the journey to joy today, the stars. When I was thinking about stars and even prepared and knowing I was going to come to, to Wilmington, it's always a joy and I haven't been for a while and I may even share a little bit about my journey this year because it's sometimes the journey we're on sometimes is mixed with challenges, isn't it? Let's just be real honest. Some of you could sit and tell some stories and even heard some testimonies after the second service that just blessed me to realize that life is very real. But when I was thinking about this thing, it's the first thing, and I really felt it was inspired of the Holy Spirit. In the book of Revelations, and I'm not preaching from Revelations, so don't nobody turn there. But in Revelations, the very first thing you see in the early parts of John the Revelator gets a vision, and God is holding in his hand. And there's a lot of symbolic things in Revelation, but he's holding in his hand seven stars. So those of you that may have studied some of that prophecy, those seven stars basically are reflected prophetically that those were seven pastors and they led the churches of that day and God held them in their hand I thought wow what amazing that the pastors were stars held in the hand of God and could I tell you today that you have some stars in this house that are the guiding force in this house that is helping you here in Kingdom Life Wilmington Pastor Doug Gina, other pastoral team, as well as leaders that are some stars that God is using to be a part of your journey on a weekly basis. And I want to say thank you. And if I don't say it enough, you're a gift. Not only to this campus, you're a gift to Kingdom Life. And I know that it's a God thing that God is trying to do and continue to do in all of our lives. But today as we turn to Scripture in the second chapter of Luke, we're reminded of the stories, especially as we look into the journey of joy, this thing of the shepherds. And we're going to take our, kind of use this as a springboard into the message today, but I want us to read from that scripture where it talks about the visitation of the angel to the shepherds. There's a lot of angelic stuff going on. Zechariah was the first. I preached about him at our home just a few weeks ago, how that he was just overwhelmed in the temple. And in an old age, God is telling him he's going to have a baby. I mean, can you imagine? I mean, that's just unreal. But yet, then he comes and the angel goes to Mary. But here now, the baby has been born in a manger, in a place 
that is probably one of the prophetic backdrops for this picture in a place called Bethlehem. And here the angels come into the shepherd's field. And it says there, and there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping their flocks at night. And the angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shined around about them. And you would have thought, man, that's great. But the Bible said, and they were what? Terrified. I mean, would you be terrified if angels showed up at night in your life? But it goes on and it says, And the angels said to them what seems like angels always say when they show up. Say it with me. Do not be afraid or fear not. It seems to be the hello of heaven when they show up. Instead of saying, hello, how are you today? <laughs> Don't be afraid. But yet, isn't it so true that there is so many things today that are trying to deposit fear in our lives? So when God shows up, it would kind of be the language of heaven telling you have faith. Don't be afraid because I am with you. But the reality of this today is that God has good news. Let's go on. He says, do not be afraid. I bring to you good news of what? Great joy. I love this. He said it's will be for all the people. He said, today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Christ. This is a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in clothes and lying in a manger. Wow. The angel brings good news to these shepherds. And in the midst of this, one of the greatest birth announcements is being made. And he chooses shepherds. Why didn't he show up in the temple to the Pharisees? Why didn't he show up to Herod and say there's a king that has been born from heaven into the earth? No, he chose shepherds. I would like to remind you, shepherds of that day were not those who necessarily were those who fellowshiped at church. Why? It's because they were considered ceremonially unclean. We're not even welcome to go into the temple. A matter of fact, they were kind of just nomads in the sense that they took care of even raising sheep for some of them that were to be used for ceremonial, basically sacrifice in the temple. But yet, he comes to those in so many ways were those who were rejected by a lot of other people. He came to the lowest of humanity and he makes an announcement saying, I've got good news for you. Great joy is coming into the earth. And when we begin to read this, what it tells me is God thinks everybody's important. But I love the second part of this story. It says that all of a sudden, suddenly, the 13th verse, a great company of heavenly hosts appeared, it said, with the angel, praising God and saying, say it with me, glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace to men on whom his favor rests. Wow. Can you imagine what it must have been like? I mean, shepherds, they were used to, they were used to uh, fighting off maybe a wolf that would come or even robbers or bandits that would come. They were used to, they were probably your man's man. They were outdoors tight. But here they were shaking in their shepherd's robes, getting a divine encounter, hearing if you will, for a moment, not only the voice of an angel, but the voice of angels singing peace on earth, goodwill to men. Joy shall be upon all people. And in a moment we will find how they go to the manger and they worship. 
There's three things I want you to get today in this message about joy. The first point I want to make is that joy and pain coexist. The second point I want you to get in this message is that joy brings connection with others. And last of all, I want you to get real joy leads us to worship. Leads us to worship. So let's talk about this for a moment. That joy and pain coexist. You say, well, that doesn't even really sound right. How many know we live in a broken world? How many know that sometimes there are days and even weeks and even sometimes months that seem like eternity that we seem to be walking, excuse the expression, through hell? The reality of this is so true. And so many times we see how pain and pain and joy exist in places. I, we've done a lot of mission work over the year. We have an arm of our ministry that's called Kingdom Life Global. Presently we're in Romania and doing a lot of ministry there and building a campus that helps us building basically a compound now that's doing youth camps and ministering to pastors and doing a lot of things there that we've been there for about 10 years. But 10 years prior, and I've had the honor of leading this ministry, and this, this coming February, it will be 25 years that I'll be celebrating. And God has been good to us. But in 2001, we were in a place called Lima, Peru, and we had been there for several years, and our mission while we were there was building feeding centers for those children who did not have meals and for people who were starving. You see a picture behind me of a feeding center that our men built, and it took us three years to build just that building, but over 10 years we built three feeding centers in different locations. This was a feeding center. It's called Land Sedata. We were feeding in just this. Between all of, our, all of them, we were feeding over 600, 1,600 children throughout the week. I remember when we had built this, one of the problems that we had was you know, that though that we were making a difference, there was so much poverty and difficulty there. Matter of fact, 50% of the mothers of the children that we were working with sold their bodies because they did not have any other way of feeding their children. Many of them, and we realized that right at that point was about 83% of, 83%, here it is, unemployment rate was in Lima, Peru. So you can imagine the poverty. Most of the families lived in lean-tos and, and what we would consider an 8 by 8 or 10 by 10 type of room that was a makeshift with some metal or something thrown on top of it where sometimes the door would open and eight children would come out of that one little room. And you're thinking, how in the world do they live like that? But one of the problems was many of them were dying and diseased because of the water because they did not have any water sources. And one of the projects we did for one year was to raise money to build a well and to drill a well and have somebody do it. And, and you see pictures behind me where we had had a well built and basically children came and they drank. And guess what you see there? You see smiles. You see, you see excitement. Is they, because not only were the children have water, but that whole little village that we had that was made up of the hundred and something people in that village. It became a water source for them to come and fill up their bowls and their pots to cook with. And it was a water source for that little village. But guess what I realized in that moment? Is though they were having joy in the moment for what they received, they still had to go back to a house that was nothing like you and I would have experienced. They still had to still experience poverty. Not only that, but they still had difficulties and problems that existed but in the moment as they came together, there was this coexistence of pain and yet this coexistence of joy. 
What I realize today is I stand before you in the journey that every one of us are on at times. There are times in our life when we go through pain and sometimes our lives are a constant balance of joy and pain as we walk through the experiences of this life. I don't know about you, but I realize that when I talk about the struggle that magnifies sometimes, even, can I I'll say it this way, sometimes whether you realize it or not, you see joy in the midst of pain. You might say, what, what, what do you mean? Well, without a doubt, that in-between place, no doubt sometimes finds us where the angels say, do not be afraid. There's great joy. And you're like, what are you talking about? There's great joy. You don't realize what I'm going through. A lot of times in Scripture, when we look at Scripture, and especially there's a Scripture in James, James 1, 2-5, where it says, Consider it pure joy, my brother. He said, Whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know the testing of your faith develops perseverance, so perseverance must finish its work so that you may be, what? Mature and complete, not lacking anything. Facing trials, we might would say, is pure joy. I mean, when's the last time you had a, tri a trial or a problem and you called a friend and said, hey, guess what? I've got a trial and I am so full of joy right now. You're like, you're, you're going to say, you're an idiot. No, you're probably not going to say that, but you're thinking, what's wrong with you? Come on. See, the reality is so many times we have this false thing that we have created even in and excuse me if anybody has rocks today just keep them down below your chairs because you might want to throw a couple before it's over but the reality is this i'm not going to be a preacher that's going to get in a pulpit and tell you just because you have faith you're not going to have trials i drove down here with a friend and yet an armor bearer who i love dearly but i watched him several years ago have to bury his wife of cancer and i watched him as he went through that time, and it was heart-wrenching because we, were, we loved her, and it was hard. But I've watched how that even in the midst of what feels like crushing at times, and we think, God, why would you allow this to happen? Yet in the midst of that, what I would declare to you is what Scripture tells you, that sometimes weeping may endure for the night, but yet God comes in with joy. And he says, but yet joy comes in the morning. See, the reality sometimes is we want to get up and say, if you have faith, then you're not going to have problems. If you have faith, then there's all joy. And I love ministers who have that gift of encouragement. But the reality check sometimes is, though you have joy, it is not based on happiness. Joy is not based on your circumstances. Joy is not based because you've got enough money in your bank account. It is based upon the relationship and the essence of God that is in your life and in my life. And though it may look dark right now, yet I know God is there. Hallelujah. Every one of us have a story to tell. Every one of us have a testimony I pray to share, but in the mix of it, this year's not always been an easy year. As a matter of fact, first time I've been able to come and minister and even be a part, and thank you for the opportunity to come. Because I didn't want to just come because I'm something. No, I just want to come because we love you, and we want to know we are partners with you. But yet... 
this year has been a tough year in the sense that I had a major heart attack. But prior to the heart attack, not realizing I wasn't getting blood flow to my brain like I should, not knowing that that was even going on behind the scenes. I was struggling, discouraged, even some depression, not knowing how to handle it because I'm not a depressed person. It doesn't happen in my life. Only to realize there was moments I just wanted to go in a room and I didn't want to talk to anybody. Now you say, well, if you're the pastor or the bishop and you're a leader and all that, you shouldn't be that way. No, I'm a human being just like you are. Yeah. It amazes me so many times is in our humanity we forget we're human. Or we try to be status in position to a place of being. And excuse the expression, I went last night right before I left, I did a baby dedication. And, and I did it in a home, which I don't always do, but there was one of the, one of the, the sister to the, do, the one I was the baby to, I, she was getting ready to leave at 4 o'clock and couldn't do it at church, and she was leaving to go back to Hawaii because she's in the military, and she wanted her sister to be a part of it. So we went in the home. There's probably about 35 in the home, and they got T-shirts on. Some of them don't have their teeth. You know, come in and drive in the driveway and they're putting out their cigarettes. The pastor's here. I'm just being real. Nineteen years earlier, I had dedicated the little girl that I'm dedicating her baby. So I'm thinking, I remember holding you in my arms. Now you're here with your husband that I had married a little over a year and a half ago with their little baby, Emerson. And we're standing there, and I'm, and I'm just feeling like, man, I love it because I was in a room with folks who aren't trying to be something they're not. Amen. Now, you may not want me to come back, but I'm just going to be real, real transparent with you. <laughs> the one thing I've learned this year is I'm tired of facades. I'm trying to be things we're not. And so many times, if we're not careful, even in church... We come in with our church faces on and our church clothes on and we do this and that. But I went away with this a refresher. I called my wife on my way back to the church because we were to meet at 6 to leave to come. And I, I, told, I, told, uh, I told my wife on the phone, it's so refreshing. And my wife said, yes. She said, the one thing about them, they're just kind of raw, but you don't have to wonder where they're at. You know, sometimes I think we try to be something because we think people are going to think badly of us. Let me just stop right here and tell you, if we're going to be a part of Kingdom Life and we're going to inspire love, life, and real relationships, it requires us being real and not being something we're not. Is that okay? Have I ever, have I ever been there? Yeah, I've been there. I've been there. You've got to suck it up. You're this. You've got to suck it up. Because I was telling Doug coming down, and I'll just be transparent enough. You just, I'm just really just blah today. <laughs> oh, God, help me, Jesus. Uh, I was always raised that to show weakness was not being a man. So you had to be a man. Suck it up, especially if you're a minister. You can't show weakness. But what I've learned over this year, and I'm going to get to it in the latter part of my message, hopefully I will not be everlasting today. But I will be eternal in the sense of what I'm saying. 
is that uh, not only do you realize the importance of being real, but you begin to realize the importance in the sense that the life we live in is a life that the world that we live in is broken and the world we live in is not going to get better. But what I've learned is that yet you and I have the opportunity to make the difference. See, as I go to, as I move out of this place of realizing that pain and coexist with joy, and I can have joy when everybody says, how can you, how can you, it wasn't that I didn't know when he had lost his wife that first summer, and we were building our campus and building our church, that he sit on his, he sit on his tractor in his back hole, and he's working, and it was, not only did he lose his wife, but he had the worst year, and I'm not, I'm sorry, I didn't ask your permission, he had the worst year in his personal business. I'm not just saying this. Is that true? He had one of the worst businesses because of where the economy had hit back there in 2007, 2008. And I watched him sit on the tractor one day, and I was in my study, and I was watching him. And he was there laboring and doing the best he could. And I was thinking, God, he's lost this, and he's lost that. And I know he's, he's here out of faith, and he's, he's just, he's held, God help him. And I didn't plan on preaching on you, so you may go home and say, what in the world did you do to me? Uh, but I watched how pain and joy coexisted. But what part of that is, is it takes us to our second point, is this area of understanding also this area that, that joy brings connection with others. What do you mean, joy brings connection with others? I'm glad you asked. Is this okay? I mean, you remember a moment ago the picture I showed you where the, the kids were drinking water and they were all together. Well, the thing that I noticed when any time, especially when I had gone to Peru and done ministry, we'd still send some money for feeding, but because of the government structure, the government took over a lot of the feeding centers, so we lost some of the rights to some things because of the government situation back a few years ago and we know that we still have people there we support and we're still sending I think our budget $300 a month goes to the feeding there a month that we send through the mission department at the church but what I realized was that no matter how hard it was even in the sense of where they were in their poverty yet the thing that got them through was they had community and village and they were together doing it together you know so many times the thing that that happens when pain comes, it tries to separate us. One of the things we do many a times is people will stay home from church because they don't want to know we're having a hard time. I don't have to sin. Have you ever been spend there? Anybody would raise your hand and say, have you ever been there and say, I don't, want anybody to, I don't want anybody to know I've got stuff going on. Whether it's pride speaking or whether it's just, I don't want to be around anybody because I want anybody to be happy because I don't want to be happy right now. I mean, come on. Because sometimes that's how it is. You just don't, you know, quit smiling. Just wipe that smile off your face. I know you've never thought that, but sometimes, you know, sometimes we have this tendency in our brain to think nobody else has problems. You ever said that? I have, my wife and I were driving home, and we were just going through a real hard time one time. She says, you know, I just don't get it. They're a, they, they just don't ever have problems. I said, they just don't tell you their stuff. Don't get disillusioned. 
See, there's a scripture. I love this scripture. In, and I, matter of fact, this is a part of my prayer time when I pray daily for our campuses and ministries. But Ephesians 4 and 16. I'm going to read it from the Passion Version because it, it brings it a little more to life. But it says, for his body, that's us, has been formed in his image and is closely joined together and constantly connected one to another, like it or not. As each member has been given divine gifts to contribute to the growth of all. And as these gifts operate effectively throughout the body or the whole body, we are built up and made perfect in love. Now what does this mean? What I believe this really means and is saying to you and to me is that there is an essence of connection that when we come in as the body of Christ and we come in in spirit, what happens is that you receive something from a part of the body and yet you give something to the part of the body and it causes growth and it causes joy as a response. There's people today we struggle with people say, well, I don't need the church. I've had people say that. Not just in those words, but I, you know, I actually said to one person, do you need your, your index finger? Well, yeah. I said, well, just go cut it off. You don't need it. That's what God says in the essence of connection, in this thing of joy, that sometimes we have to realize sometimes somebody needs your joy. Or sometimes you may need somebody else's joy. Because when you read it in the context, especially when you go back to, uh, I think it was Corinthians 12, 1 Corinthians 12, where it talks about gifts, but it talks about gifts as it deals within the body context, that the one body brings to the person who's weak and brings them up and comes into where they're at, but there's another person who is in rejoicing that we're rejoicing with one and weeping with another, but yet the body is building up and lifting up all. And the reality of this is that when we begin to understand joy and the connection with people and the connection of needing others in our life, what I realized more than anything else in this whole year of all the things, trying to get healthy physically, trying to get healthy emotionally, I understand all those concepts because the scripture even says, I would have you, my brother, to be whole spirit, soul, and body. But the other part of that is also understanding that in the mix of that, you have to realize also that God is saying you need people also in your life. And relationships is one of the most important things God has given you. You need one another. You need community. You need family. There's other scripture, but I'm going to go over my last point, is joy and worship. And the process of understanding that real joy leads us to worship. What do you mean? What do you do when joy interrupts our everyday life and sets up alongside of what I call the mundane and the, and the, and the painful and without a doubt, we, we said it, we live in this balance of, of joy and pain until Jesus comes back. I get that. But it's realizing that in the mix of where we're at in this season, that we slow down enough to begin to realize that God wants us to enter in. And what really brings joy is through His presence and through worship. What are you talking about? You know, there's one scripture, and I, and 
I, I, I really felt the Lord wanted me to share this today that comes from Hebrews, the 12th chapter. When we start that chapter, it talks about him being the author and the finisher of all things. It talks about the cloud of witnesses that we have. And then it talks about Jesus was to face the pain of the cross, but he did what? He looked at it through joy. And I'm thinking, how do you look at pain through joy? But it says this in the Passion Version, that we look away from the natural realm and we fasten our eyes upon Jesus who birthed faith within us and who leads us forward into faith's perfection. His example is this. Because his heart was focused on the joy of knowing that you would be his, he endured the agony of the cross and he conquered its humiliation and now sits and is sits exalted at the right hand of the throne of God. You say, what are you talking about? I've, I've always asked that question because I read that scripture until I really saw it through the context of the Passion Version that I saw something that I never saw because I had read that scripture. It said, for the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross. And I thought, I've always wrestled with that scripture because I thought, how did he, how did he have joy to endure this? You know why? He looked beyond the moment. And he looked to the other side of the cross and he saw the joy that you would belong to him. I'm thinking, whoa. All of a sudden I begin to see that sometimes in the midst of our suffering, sometimes we just have to raise up hands in the midst of it and say, God, I praise you for what will be on the other side of this trial. Oh, I praise you, God, for what is going to happen. Right now, it seems like my child has lost their mind and will not listen to anything I have to say, but I praise you because I brought them into this world and you have put your hand up on them and I'm not going to lose faith that you still have a plan. So many times, it is the pain and the difficulty and sometimes the hurt that drives us not to get to the joy of what God has in your life and what he has placed ahead for you. There are some of you, and even this campus, and even the calling of this pastor. Yet, there has been some pain. Yet, there has been some disillusionment. But yet, through all of those things, God is bringing out of a place of hurt and out of pain that he is going to birth something that is going to be so revolutional in relationship that people are going to be loved and give joy so that the harvest can be touched and this ministry can make the difference God has called it to. There's three things I want to close with because I'm just totally didn't get half of my notes today. And I know you don't want to be here all day, and I respect that. I, I respect that. <laughs> oh, God, help me. Three things in closing. Sometimes, let me just say this. Sometimes we have to take a step back. Everybody just take a step back not, not, and take a breath. Just take a breath and let it out slowly. You know, sometimes we have to take a step back and Closing there, just step into the journey in three ways. First of all, take time to connect with others. You know, sometimes, you know, sometimes we have to connect with others. We have to slow down, and we have to, we have to realize that uh, God is at work. Uh, Friday afternoon, I, Friday was just a good ministry date. I got to minister to some people. I sat at the table at 9 o'clock with a young man who was 31 years old, a youth pastor in the Durham area of North Carolina. 
that uh, family had asked me to meet with him and I'd already been in di dialogue with him, 31 years old. Buried his wife three, year, three weeks ago with cancer. He's left with 11-year-old, 7-year-old, 4-year-old, and a 1-year-old. Beautiful couple. Spent two hours with him that morning. Tears coming down. Flooded his eggs with tears. We, we, we wept together. We prayed together. God really just brought some joy. I watched joy come into his life as we sat at a table. He laughed a little bit. We asked God to come into some things and trying to, trying to say, God, what's next, you know? And then that afternoon at uh, 1 o'clock, I went to the Macklins. It's an elderly black couple who's a part of our ministry. And uh, he's become disability, has to have a person come in every night in their little apartment, two-bedroom apartment that they have there. No Christmas decorations up. Their kids have abandoned them, don't want anything to do with them because they're living their own lives, struggling. Hadn't been out of the house in two months except to get to the hospital one time. Pulled up a chair next to Matt. Denise has got arthritis, her hands are crippled. Pulled her a chair up and got in a circle and we sat in the living room. And uh, we worshiped. Tears rolled down their face as they told the pain that they were going through. We took communion and we started singing. Didn't have a piano. Come on up, because I know I'm. I'm. And uh, we worshiped. And as we worshiped, the presence of God came in, and I, I encouraged them let the adult senior team come in and minister because they had asked to come and. She, did, she felt embarrassed for them to come, how bad things were. I said, well, you need people. You can't stay in alone. You can't be alone. You're lonely. You're all by yourself. We, we sang song. We celebrated. But when I walked, he doesn't hardly talk because of the stroke. But he said, thank you for coming. I got my car. said that was real ministry sometimes we're more worried about what our reef looks like on the front door than we are realizing that a neighbor may really need somebody to reach out and enjoy but uh, sometimes we have to also go and reflect that uh, we have something to be thankful for and get back to thankfulness because it's a foundation of joy Rejoice in the Lord, he says. The word rejoice has got the word re in it, which means to re, to do again. Sometimes you have to do something over and over. Sometimes joy is a practice that we got to just do it when we don't always feel like doing it because joy is not based in emotion. This is where we get all messed up. And yes, we are rooted in being charismatic and Pentecostal and we love to get excited and have emotions and that's wonderful. We need to be very careful to realize that when I don't have emotion, it does not make God any less God. That when I'm in the valley, He's the lily. When I'm in the darkness, He's the morning star. And then finally, 
Let's worship God for who He is. Go to that last slide, because in the last slide, I always do something at our ministry. I always give an application to the, because I want you to get something, take home something, and I'm mobilizing, I'm mobilizing you. But what my heart would be today for, for you as God's people, that I will be intentional, that you, that I will be intentional to look for ways to express joy through worship during this season and to experience joy in relationships during this season. If anything, even through my own crisis this year of going through some of the things, praying at the other side, I'll be healthier physically, I'll be healthier emotionally. But part of it is too, that I'll be healthier in relationships of knowing I need people, you need people. Somebody needs you. It may be in Walmart. When you're in a hurry, you got to get home. And yet there's somebody who's behind you. God ordained you to be there at that moment to give them a smile and give them a word. But the other part of this is, and would you declare this with me? I declare this joy. The world didn't give it. And the You really believe that? I'm going to do something that's a little bit different today. I'm going to pray for you first where you're sitting. And then I'm going to ask everybody who would not be embarrassed to come to the front. 